Well, um, as we look this evening at the next section of the Lord's Prayer, we come to these two petitions, requests of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to look at these two petitions and ask crucial questions. What is it that we're praying for and how can we be praying that? So firstly, your kingdom come. What are we praying for if we pray your kingdom come? Well, we're praying for a restoration project. Maybe you took on some kind of project uh, in one of the lockdowns of the last year. I know that plenty of you did. And I know that some of you took on some form of restoration project, restoring something to life as it was meant to be. There's something really gripping, isn't there, about tracking the story of a restoration project. I know that plenty of you love it, whether it's a house, garden, car, shed, bike, spice rack. We love the pictures, order from chaos. But the reality is the process is sometimes a bit of a slog, isn't it? The before and after photos don't quite capture the the graph that goes on in between those times where the restoration project is underway, but it's not yet fully complete. My cousins um, were into restoring classic MG cars. And I remember pulling up to the house for what felt like years with tarpaulins over the drive and um, they'd be out there in the rain and wind in their overalls covered in oil with car pieces on order and it felt like it would never end but what surely kept them going in those moments was knowing there'd be a time where they could sit in their car that they'd restored themselves rolling down the road in the sun I imagine I don't know but I imagine that's a joyous moment well When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're praying for a restoration project. It's one that restores the world as it was meant to be. In the beginning of the Bible, we read that God's creation is good and perfect. God created mankind in his image to image him. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation, given responsibility under God. That's the perfect picture of the kingdom. But quickly we read that Adam and Eve reject God's rule and are banished from his kingdom. Now, whilst God remains king of the universe, he allows them to walk away. They live as though he's not the king. But you see, through the Bible, we get glimpses of restoration. And it begins even in Genesis 3.15. The picture of the serpent crusher, someone who will come, the Lord Jesus, who will ultimately defeat Satan. Throughout the Old Testament, we're told of this promised king who would restore the kingdom. That's pretty familiar language, having just looked at that over Christmas. When Jesus then arrives, he arrives and begins this restoration as God's promised king. And we're told that the restoration will be complete ultimately when 
Jesus returns. This is what it says in Ephesians 1 verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. See, the mystery of God's will in this restoration project is that the perfect kingdom will be restored. Jesus will come back and there will be unity in all things as every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. There'll be no debate. Not one person will think that they're king of their own lives. So when we step back and look really big picture as we begin that's what we're praying for the return of the kingdom the return of things to how they should be we're recognizing that god is king of the universe whether or not we've lived like it he has remained king he is in control of all things and he is at work to bring all things under christ now, that's about as big picture as we could possibly get. So when we look at this verse and we think about our prayer life, what does it actually mean to pray your kingdom come? What are we actually praying for? Well, we're praying for Jesus's return. Because when Jesus returns, he will gather up his people. This is what it says in Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the beginning of the world. Jesus will gather his people and they will live perfectly in his kingdom. This is what it says in Revelation 21. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. You see, that's the eradication of evil, rebellion, rejection, pain, crying, suffering. There will be no more abuse, no fear, no suffering, no injury. When you trust in Jesus, when you pray your kingdom come, that is the kingdom prepared for you since the beginning of the world. We're praying that we'd see the return of the Lord Jesus and it would, it would shape how we approach every day. We're praying for the return of the kingdom as it was designed. And we might hear that and think that sounds like the most glorious day as Everything is returned to perfection. Why, if we pray that, the restoration of all things, the absence of pain and sorrow and evil, if that's what we're praying for, the removal of everything bad and the renewal of everything good, why hasn't it happened already? Why doesn't it happen right now? Why doesn't it happen tonight well it might happen tonight but 
here as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, it, we're told why it hasn't happened already. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 and 10. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. You see, it will be the most glorious day. But it will be terrifying for anyone who has not made Jesus their king. Everything will be laid bare. There will be destruction. And so the reason it's not happened yet, we're told, is because God is patient. God wants people to make Jesus their king. So that we won't face the destruction on that final day. And so if we're praying for Jesus to return, we are praying for that final restoration. We're praying for that joyous and petrifying moment. We are recognising that that day is the most crucial day of any person's life. And we're listening to the warning, that day will come like a thief. Jesus may return tonight. He may call all things to an end. And that will be the most joyous moment and yet petrifying for those that haven't made Jesus their king. And so praying your kingdom come is not just about looking forward to the ultimate restoration of all things. It must shape the way that we look at today. Because we're not just praying that that day will come quickly, but that people will be ready for that day. That we will acknowledge that day. We're praying for us to live with Jesus as king today. Jesus said, repent and believe the kingdom of God has come near. When he spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, this is what he said. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. See, Jesus is saying that when we're born again into new life as Christians, we see the kingdom. James explains how we receive that new life. He says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. See, God's kingdom coming isn't just about a future hope. No, we can live today with Jesus as our king. We're not just waiting for the restoration of all things. If we've come to accept what God tells us in the Bible, we ourselves are the first fruits of the coming kingdom. We have the power in us to live as citizens of that kingdom. So when I pray your kingdom come, I'm asking that I would be helped today to live with Jesus as king of my heart.
maybe sometimes we're a bit lazy when we pray for God's kingdom to come. We overemphasize the renewal of all things. We maybe put up with life now and we look forward to heaven. Maybe that's especially true right now when life feels a bit restricted. It feels a bit samey. It feels like every day is the same. Our experience we might describe is rubbish or boring. We forget that in us we have renewed hearts. The restoration work is well underway if we've accepted Jesus as our king. If we trust in Jesus, we have been and are being transformed. We have the capacity in us to enjoy life as it was meant to be. Or maybe more challenging. We forget that on us, there's a call to live in obedience to King Jesus. We pray, and when we pray, God's kingdom come, we're asking for the Lord Jesus to be king of every area of our heart, our passions, our dreams, our plans, our relationships, our money, our time, our energy. Are you asking that? It means making the daily decision to let Jesus be king of my heart. We're praying for us to live with Jesus as king today. And we're praying for people to accept Jesus as king. See, it really is a truly amazing prospect that one day I will live in perfect obedience to God. That God's perfect kingdom will be perfectly restored. There'll be no longer any pain or suffering. That injustices won't be present. There'll be no loneliness. But I can't pray for that kingdom to come without recognizing that there will be people that aren't there because god's perfect kingdom will be restored and in order for it to be restored perfectly in order for it to be a place that is good where suffering and pain and evil aren't the only way i could possibly be there is if jesus has dealt with my heart and Jesus has been made my king the only way we could possibly be there is if Jesus has dealt with our hearts and been made our king can I ask you have you chosen to follow Jesus is he your king because people who haven't accepted Jesus as king are choosing not to be in that kingdom and so as desperately as i pray that on that final day i'll be found in jesus and that each day jesus would be my king i must desperately pray that god's kingdom will come in the hearts of people that don't yet trust in him when you pray for god's kingdom to come it's a plea that people would make Jesus their king is that your plea is that your plea for your friends and family colleagues that don't yet know Jesus do you pray daily for God's kingdom to come in the lives of people you care about that don't 
yet make Jesus their king. When we pray that God's kingdom would come, we're praying for a restoration project, a full and final restoration that is to come. As the brokenness of this world is restored to God's perfect kingdom, but we're praying for a restoration project that is well underway. As Jesus is made king in the hearts of those who follow him. And as people turn to trust in Jesus as king for the very first time. Your kingdom come. Here's the second petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray your will be done, we're praying for active submission when i was uh, doing some reading this week earlier on in the week i came across an article that i was intrigued by found interesting and got reading a little bit further it was an article on the internet about oppositional defiant disorder odd odd i was intrigued here's the definition Oppositional defiant disorder is defined as a childhood disorder characterized by negative, defiant, disobedient, and often hostile behavior towards adults and authority figures primarily. Now, we could talk at length about to what extent all children are odd, but one thing's for sure, we all display oppositional defiance. We defy opposition from authority. We're not very good at actively submitting. You know it's very humbling to say, look, you know best to someone else. Maybe not so much when it's something that you don't place any value in you is far removed from your identity you don't back yourself in that area maybe it's easy to submit to someone else then but generally it's pretty hard to say you know best we struggle to submit to government authority we struggle to submit to authority in our workplace we struggle to submit to god's authority but God's will is always best. And praying your will be done is a prayer of active submission. And there's no greater picture of active submission than the Lord Jesus in Matthew 26 that we read earlier. See, in the face of death, Jesus prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, Jesus, even in his humanity, was perfectly obedient to the father, even to the point of death. Yet not as I will, but as you will may your will be done. And so Jesus, in these words, he teaches us to pray just as he did, that more and more we'd submit to his will. When it comes to God's will for us now, well, there's what we're told 
and what we're not told. So firstly, what we're not told, God's secret will, what we just don't know. What God chooses will happen everywhere in all things in all time that we couldn't possibly know. Just as Jesus prays, we might pray, if it is your will. See, when we pray for what we don't know, we recognise the true reality that we are completely dependent on God for all things. It's a prayer that recognises, reflects the restoration project. It's a reversal of what all that we get wrong when we're sinful. We teach the children, as you might have heard this evening, uh, this morning, sorry, um, that sin is saying, so long, God, I'm in charge, no to your rules. Sin, as we see in the Garden of Eden, is saying, God, you don't know best. You don't have the right to call the shots. I don't need you. But the fact is, that is not true. Even when we reject God, that truth doesn't change. He still knows best. He still has the right to call the shots. And we are still dependent on him for all things. But in his grace, he still provides the things that we need, even to us as we rebel against him. Now, praying your will be done is reorientating our hearts to remember the truth. God is in charge. He does know what's best and we depend on him for everything. And he's asking God to help align our hearts with what he will do in our life for the things that we don't know do you pray god you're in charge your will be done with that work situation job applications with your finances with where you're going to live your health do you hold those plans loosely when it comes to your future family, work, money? Or are you in danger of saying, my will be done? When it comes to making decisions about houses, cars, jobs, schools, children, holidays, will you pray, God, you're in charge, not me, your will be done? The reality is that's really difficult for us. We don't know what God's will is. We can't understand. We can't guess what God's secret will is. We don't always get a clear answer about a job or that person or that decision. It's so difficult. And yet that makes it so simple. We so desperately need to pray that we'd humble ourselves and trust deeply in God's ultimate authority. Will you make that part of your prayer life? To bring before God what you don't know. Plans for the future, things out of your control. And say, you're in charge, God, not me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to depend on you. Help me to trust on you and not myself. That's what we're not told. But then 
there's what we are told God's revealed will. God's revealed will is the commands that he gives his people. Throughout the Bible, we see that God's will, we see what God's will is for those that follow him. And that brings real clarity amongst maybe some of what feels uncertainty. We're told how to live in response to the good news about Jesus. We're told how to make Jesus our king. We're told what the Christian life will be like. We're told what to expect as we wait for heaven. We're told what it means to worship. We're told what to pray for our friends and family. We're told a lot. And whilst we're not given all the details of God's secret will for our lives, we are given all that we need to navigate life according to his revealed will. In our last book that we read as a church, George Muller talked about his prayer life. We talked about it in our list of discussion afterwards last week and how he felt his prayers were sometimes unspecific, wondering when he hadn't first read the Bible. We can pray that we would come to trust and depend on God as he reveals his secret will, but inevitably that will end up being unspecific. It might be a bit frustrating when we can't grasp exactly what we're praying for. We don't know necessarily an answer straight away. But when we open the pages of the Bible, we're given the specifics of God's revealed will for his people. So we'll have specific things to pray for, for God's will to be done in our lives. Will you make that a a key part of your prayer life? Praying through and in the specific instruction of God's word, his revealed will that that would be true of you as you seek to follow Jesus. The more and more we pray those words, that is what God uses for us to be transformed, to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. That is being transformed by the good news of the gospel. So will you pray for those two things? Will you pray for a restoration project? That God's kingdom would come, that the Lord Jesus would return. And until he does, he'd be our king and he'd be made king for our friends. And will you pray against being defiant against God's authority? Will you pray that you'd have an active obedience to God's will in what we do know and what we don't know. Let me pray. Father, please would you help us. Lord, teach us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.